0: Hello Trojan fans! Welcome to episode number 320 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is May 12th, 2014. we got a big show for you this week on the podcast. Lots of NFL draft talk to get to, and we're going to have a special podcast. Dan Weber is going to take the whole show. Me and Dan, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, We've got Harvey Hyde on secret assignment, so apologize to you Coach Harvey Hyde fans, but it's going to be an all- Ryan and Dan's show. Dan Weber, of course, is our extraordinary USCFootball.com beat writer covering the team, and as he's done for over a decade now. And if you have any questions or comments, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can call us at 206 888 6755 Leave a brief voicemail and we'll try to get that on the air. Or you can go to Parastylepodcast.com, that's our website, and leave a voicemail right on the page right from your computer so it's pretty cool lots of ways to get hold of us and we do like to hear from you and we do have a ton of questions to get to dan but we got to talk we have some questions on the draft but we have to talk about the draft first what went down with usc
1: yeah uh um, you know it was one of those ones where you're hopeful but you knew a lot of the guys were kind of on the bubble <clears throat> and uh the bubble kind of went the wrong way for almost everybody Um, uh, you know with only three drafted and that's uh Two out of the last three years, that USC's had just three drafted, and it does <clears throat> for those it matters to uh, drops USC one behind Notre Dame in the all-time uh, uh, draft list for the NFL. So USC had been the number one, uh, you know, taken over from Notre Dame with when Pete was there as the number one, uh, you know, producer of NFL draft picks. But uh, Notre Dame uh, edges. I think Notre Dame had eight this year. Which was hard to tell when you at the game in south Penn. I wasn't sure where where those eight guys were, but uh they had eight picked and uh and u s c with three uh the Trojans were four ahead of Notre dame i guess six or four eighty uh all time draft picks going into this year to four seventy six for Notre dame now Notre dame has got uh uh up 484 to 483 over USC so uh Missy Conboy's work has has been done uh, <laughs> she uh, uh earned her paycheck probably got a bonus uh, I'm guessing uh, this week after after that but of course there was no reason for her to recuse herself on the uh committee on infractions because of course <laughs> there was no connection between Notre Dame and USC and uh anyway <laughs> well, uh, we don't want to go little, down that
0: rat hole, Dan. But uh, just a
1: little uh, <laughs> side sideline, but it does, and it, it does, uh, and USC even. I know um, somebody had done the stats since <clears throat> since just two thousand and seven, and even then, uh, USC is is still only one behind uh, LSU as the number one. Uh, you know, and, and and until this year was the number one. Uh, you know, producer of NFL draft picks, uh, having twenty one and what is it, 08 and 09, kind of helped USC there. But um, but it looks like uh, they'll get back on the – although for USC fans, you would think looking at this year, you would hope they don't go too strong, get it back into double digits because that might mean uh, a lot of the uh, juniors leaving. So – but obviously, it'll probably uh, you know take a turn for the better. You know, starting next year, even though the numbers are still going to be down as far as scholarships, I think USC still gets uh, gets a pretty good uh, pretty good hit next year in the draft. Uh, I know some people are looking on the, the peristyle, and some people are still <clears throat> kind of negative about USC's uh, draft prospects. But I I I think, uh, I think they bounced back uh, pretty decently this year. But they didn't take uh you know, for kids like Deion Bailey and uh and say Morgan Breslin and guys, you know, you thought, well, maybe um and you saw guys on there drafted that clearly you would not have picked over those guys in terms of, you know, playing. uh that just they just things didn't work out and maybe it'll be better that, you know, a Dion Bailey gets to go to, you know, Seattle where obviously Somebody there, uh, you know, likes him from what what they know or where a John Martinez gets to go to Seattle and they're telling him, you know, we're going to bring you back, put you at center like we always wanted to, and we've got a spot for you there. And with their personnel and the other guys that they, uh, you know, that they picked, uh, that they really do have a spot for him. And he's going back to Pat Rule, who recruited him at USC uh, for Pete, so, uh, so maybe you know, maybe it'll work out. You know, where the guys end up at the exact uh, best place for them, where you'd be better off there than a, a seventh-round pick who ends up at a uh, you know at a team that maybe doesn't know you or doesn't want you quite as much as as possibly uh, somebody else who thinks they can get you and uh, and get you through. And you know, it's a longer shot. I think the numbers last year were like 57 uh undrafted free agents who made first first week rosters so you got a shot i mean 57 is you know and i would think these usc kids uh do have a shot
0: yeah there's i mean there's a lot of statistics out there and and people wanted to look at the five usc juniors that declared early and uh, of course uh you know only two of them ended up getting drafted so you look at the other guys, and we have a lot of questions about that. I mean, there was actually 36 underclassmen that didn't get drafted uh, in this draft. So that's 36 guys that left school early and end up not even getting drafted. Now, you can argue by the end it's probably better to be a free agent than get drafted in the seventh round. There's been a lot of talk of that. But Tarek had a question, uh, and I think a lot of people were kind of hinting at this too. With this year's draft, do you think it will install, install, excuse me install loyalty – to stay in school for four years like more like the Pete Carroll era. So is that gonna discourage people from leaving early because guys didn't get drafted?
1: You know, maybe. Um, I mean I think they they looked at Nickel Roby last year and said, gee, when he five you know, did five seven and a half and uh he left early and uh and made a roster and got to play and uh got to play a good bit. He was lucky, uh from what I understand, I guess there were a couple of injuries. That you know made it possible for him to you know survive at Buffalo, and that was not that was not the rule, but the exception. I do think one of the things that hurt him a little bit was the strong finish this year. Where, for example, if you're a USC kid, <clears throat> excuse me, and you um, you were out there on the field against you know Stanford, you were out there against uh, Fresno State, you realize you yeah, know we're pretty good, and they were pretty good, and these are kids that were good coming out of high school, and you know had struggled through all the things that were not their fault uh still had 210 win seasons and probably had a feeling uh you know we're going to be okay now i think at least the realization is there that man you just don't know i mean don't you don't really want to put your future in the hands of you know some NFL war room in a lot of ways and now if you can be be the guy who they can't not draft you that's one thing but if you're just out there hoping and hoping something good happens for you and basically they're looking for reasons not to draft you and uh you know you can't give them that and and some of it's not your fault if you're you know a first year safety like you know Dion, uh maybe you don't have as much film to show them or you know you you're learning on the job and uh you make some good plays and you have some plays that don't go well and you know if they've got some film like that you just never know that how that works against you uh, you know a John Martinez a, you know you come through a USC offensive line that really has taken its lumps over the last you know few years or uh, Kevin Grapp. uh you might not have as much film as, as you, or as much of a buzz about you know what what you can do and um uh, sometimes they just take somebody Maybe they don't know that much about, but they just take, you know, when you get down to those fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, they're kind of taking flyers on kids. I mean, I don't know. Uh, the kid from Princeton, defensive tackle from Princeton, uh, Caron Reed, I guess it was his name. I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't know, you know, what would George Yuko have done had he gotten to play in the Ivy League for, you know, his career? <laughs> or, or Morgan Bresman. I mean, would Morgan Bresman have been blocked? you know, at all, ever, in the Ivy League. I mean, so, you know, the kid was a two-time All-American from Princeton. Now, I don't know what that even means. Uh, and and obviously, kids from the Ivy League make it in the league, and, you know, linemen especially. But, uh, but you know, a kid like that gets picked in the fifth round, and, and, and George doesn't get picked at all. So um, uh, it's kind of a crapshoot. It's the kind of thing if you remember the rules when Pete was here was originally, and it just seems so unbelievably arrogant now, but it was like, well, if you're the best player at your position in the country, well, then it's okay to come out. Or then it was, if you're, you know, going to be a first round pick, it's okay to come out. And and now, you know, at least the rule ought to be, if there's some doubt that you're going to ever even get picked at all, you probably shouldn't go out, you know, come out. Uh, but, now you live and learn. So I think the lesson passed on to next year. not sure, you know, that the kids have to be loyal, especially the ones that put in four years and either get their degree like Dion or get close to it and can, you know, uh, fairly easily get it uh, if they're in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure that that's, not, that's, you know, that they owe anything more to USC. One of the things, though, that, that does matter is if you think – this team coming up has a chance to be really good, you know, has a chance to go to the, you know, win the Pac-12, go to the Rose Bowl, you know, get in the playoffs and all that. That might be the thing. And, and USC obviously, through no fault of their own uh, and the NCAA sanctions and that, has gotten away from that kind of a mindset, whereas uh, this year maybe you could you get that, you know, mindset going again where if you're on the fence and you say, you know, this I'm going to stay with my buddies, or I'm going to stay with this team, and I, I'm going to develop a little bit more. And I'll, yeah, I'll have to take the chance of, of getting injured, but, uh, but I think that's the mindset that that might be, uh, you know, more put into their into the kids heads after this year is is more the the realism that good things don't always happen to you just because you know you think they maybe could or they should, and uh, would you be better off? playing with a team that maybe has a chance to, to, uh, to really do something this year, and uh, a couple of extra guys might uh, might make the difference. Uh, you know, I think that's the, the, the message.
0: Uh, well, Dan, I wanted to uh, talk about the guys that weren't drafted, and we'll, I'll list them off, and then we had another question about that. But Dion Bailey, he, so these are all undrafted free agents. He was signed to Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, Morgan Breslin, 49ers, George Uko to the Saints, Xavier Grimble to the Giants, uh, Silas Red to the Redskins, Kevin Graff to the Eagles, John Martinez another Seahawk, and Demetrius Wright went to the Dolphins. So those are the guys that were signed. And then Stephen Poway had a question. He said he was he said he loves the podcast, but he's scratching his head, wondering what happened on draft day, and wants to know: Is it common for college coaches to make phone calls to the NFL coaches to lobby for their former players to be drafted? And if so, are these guys casualties of the many coaching changes? for usc in 2013
1: i don't think it helped it clearly uh it just you know the the current coaches mostly didn't know these guys and uh uh, i do think there is a lot of you know back and forth between the coaches and, and obviously if you wanted to talk to you know ed orgeron or pete jenkins about george yuko you certainly could and uh uh, I just think it would have been a natural kind of a byproduct of of a changing of, of the guard, uh, of the staff, that the new guys just, you know, weren't there to, uh, <clears throat> to vouch for these guys. And, um, you know, it's, it, is it asking one more, th- you know, one more step for uh, a staff to um, uh, track down a former coach and, and, and get his opinion or, or does the former coach feel like, you know, I really need to, uh, you know, to call for these guys. He's not around anymore. And, uh, you know, I think there, they're, that would be prob- probably a factor that uh, it didn't help, let's say that. I, I, whether you can say it really hurt them, uh, I don't know. But it certainly probably didn't help. It's just one of those
0: things that happen uh, you know when you change the coaching staff it does happen um so i don't think i think it's a good question i think it, it certainly didn't it didn't help uh it's hard to say if it hurt it probably did but it certainly didn't help uh we got one more draft question for you dan uh and we should note too that uh, and we talked about this before Dion bailey actually graduated so he actually has a degree his situation might be a little different he was more of a shocker to me uh, that he wasn't drafted. I guess we, maybe we can talk about that first, Dan. I mean, Of, of all the, the underclassmen guys, he was one of those, you know, besides Marquise Lee, I thought he was a guy that would come out and get drafted. I know Mar- Marcus Martin moved up late um, and people kind of got on to him and he was the highest rated center from a lot of people. But I really thought Deion Bailey would get drafted.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were mock drafts that had him as high as the third round. I mean, there were uh, you go on different teams' websites and uh, I'm trying to remember which one, but somebody had him as, as a potential third round pick for, you know, for their team. So, you know, if you're Dion and you're seeing that some people are saying third, fourth round, fifth round, kind of at the latest, you probably go into, you know, this last week and thinking, oh, I'm going to get picked. And then then you don't. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty significant. I mean, USC – it was a weird deal. For example, if you go onto the NFL.com website, they have all the guys that they consider draft prospects before the draft, with all their bios and all their workouts and all the other all the information. And for example, UCLA had five guys considered prospects by the NFL. All five got drafted. USC had I'm trying to think one two three uh, nine guys. They had nine listed as legitimate NFL prospects. Only three got drafted. Six of the nine didn't get drafted. So they weren't on that list because of people taking flyers on them. They were on the list as legitimate NFL prospects. And I'm not sure anybody had six guys passed over. I mean, it was just one of those years where uh, it's just kind of weird and almost inexplicable as to, say, a uh, a Dion. And I know people took chances on guys, uh, you know, in the la- later rounds, you would have thought maybe you'd take a chance on a Morgan Breslin. He's not ideal size wise and all that, but, uh, you know, you'd have thought, heck, everybody needs a pass rusher, uh, take a chance on him. But, uh, it just didn't happen. Uh, it just, you nobody took a flyer on anybody, uh, from USC. And that's, uh,
0: that's probably unusual. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, okay, well, anyway, the, I wanted to talk about that quick, but our the last question, Jeff in Orange County, he says, do you think the poor showing by the USC draft picks may actually be a good thing? That is, more players staying for a fourth year at Troy. I, I sure hope so, as many of those guys need that extra year to fully develop. Also, what do you think happened to Arizona's running back, uh, Kadeem Carey? He tore up everyone in the Pac-12, and the best the NFL did was pick him number 117, and he says finally seems like there's definitely an East Coast and SEC bias in the draft. Let's blame Larry Scott. <laughs> Your thoughts. That's Jeff in Orange County.
1: Well, I think Kadeem's uh, acceleration and that kind of top-end speed probably hurt him. Uh, for example, I mean, he's a tough kid, and he's a pounder and a pounder, but it took, for example, in the USC game, it took till the, toward the end when, you know, USC's going with one deep defense, Kind of got you know worn down a little bit before he had he had you know much effect. Uh, he uh, he couldn't run away from USC's kids, uh, much like uh, Andre Williams uh, you know, was a Heisman you know contender and all that. The Boston College guy, two hundred and thirty pound, but not a lot of acceleration. And if you remember the USC Boston College game, you don't even remember him. Because he couldn't run, you know, outrun USC's defensive ends, for example, or tackles. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there are kids that, that, running backs that that can do really well over a sea. For example, he's playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and they don't have a lot of people who can play defense. Uh, you know, once you get past Florida State, there aren't a lot of guys that can play defense in in the ACC. So he can have a really good career, but he, uh, playing you know, running the ball in the NFL isn't like running the ball in the ACC. Um, so I think they really look for that burst, uh, that, you know, I mean, uh, Bishop, Sankey, For example, I love him. Uh, and he went in the second round, uh, the Washington kid, but, um, still not quite that absolute just acceleration that I know they're looking for. And, um, so running back's a tough spot right now uh, as far as, you know, nobody, no running back strength in the first round. Um, boy, I mean, you just don't even want to project kids uh, too highly who are running backs. I mean, they're just uh, – it's a it's a very tough deal. So that would be – yeah, I thought, you know, Kerry, he had some um, – uh, off the field issues as well that probably didn't help him, but um, but it's, it's a tough deal as a running back. And I know uh, he asked about Larry Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I do think you'd probably like to have Mike Slive as your guy. If you uh, you know he's the smartest you know, The SEC commissioner is the smartest guy in college sports. I don't think there's any question. He's way ahead of the curve. He's been way ahead of the curve. Whether that's good or not, I mean, if you're an SEC fan and you get to see four really stinker games every year guaranteed uh, minimum plus one or two in your conference, and you don't get to see maybe some of the good teams. I mean, for example, somebody mentioned uh, Alabama last year missed all four. The first four good teams in the East uh, in the SEC, Alabama didn't play a single one of them. So if you're an Alabama fan, you know you might go to the games every week and "Eh, it's great to watch the Crimson Tide, but you don't get to see uh, a lot of good teams coming into Tuscaloosa anymore. Uh, And that's, uh, you know, buying season tickets and you have a couple of games a year that matter. Uh, But they made the decision in the SEC. We were going for the BCS and we're going to take it, you know, ride it all the way and this is the way to do it. And they were right. Uh, and they, you know, they made they made their call and they stand with it actually, and uh, you know, for the future and uh, the near future anyway. So they see how this works with the four team playoff, but uh, but uh, and it, it's easier to make a mistake if you're going to be a draft guy. Uh, you're always looking. Well, if I pick this kid, what kind of criticism am I and What kind of second guessing am I going to get? It's why, for example. Uh, they're going for so many, you know, tall defensive backs. Everybody watched what Pete did and with the tall secondary kids, and they're saying now if I make a mistake, I'm going to make a mistake on a big uh, DB rather than a short one, which is why what Nickel did last year is pretty, really amazing now. But, uh, you know, you'd rather not get second-guessed for, how the heck did you pick that little guy, you know, and he's <laughs> no good – you at least now, if you pick a guy that's six one and a cornerback, at least you won't get second guessed for picking you know uh, against the grain of of how it's going. So the NFL does a lot of that, and it's easier, for example, to pick a kid from the SEC, uh, especially on defense. I think, um, than maybe uh, with the pack, It's probably easier to pick a Pac twelve quarterback in most years. But um, you know the SEC's quarterbacks kind of suffered from uh, kind of a negative look at the SEC uh, in general uh, in terms of their, you know, their pro-style quarterbacks, uh, McCarron and, and Murray and Mettenberger and those guys, uh, more, you know, everybody was saying what happened to those guys. You know, that's where being in the SEC probably hurt them. So uh, it's uh, not an easy – I mean, I, I don't think people should put too much into the into the NFL draft, uh, uh, in terms of what exactly does it mean for this year or next year? Or, you know, what are they telling you? Just they're sort of telling you this is kind of what we think uh, will get us not a lot of criticism once they <laughs> get past those first four rounds. Once they get, I think once they get past the first four rounds, they're just you know they're just throwing darts yeah. and um, and. And usually, I mean, for most of the time, those darts came USC kids' way. This, you know, this year, they didn't. And I don't think we really know the exact reasons why.
0: All right, we'll try to find out. I think we'll, uh, we'll try to get some more draft experts on the, the program coming up, and we'll, we'll ask them about that too, Dan. But we wanted to get some team stuff too and some just kind of general USC questions. So we have, we have a bunch uh, this week. A bunch came in late, so we'll, uh, we'll try to crank through them all. Uh, We'll go Melvin first, and uh, he said, Recently I heard that Mike Williams, a former USC great, never really made it in the pros because of his lack of work ethic, not being in shape, never working out extra, stuff like that. Do you think that was the case while he was at USC? I asked because he was such a great receiver. It's hard for me to believe that he made it merely on athleticism and not hard work while at USC. You got to cover, Mike, at SC. Dan, what do you think?
1: I think he. I think he worked. You know, it was his first two years. His first year, he, you know, people didn't think he would earn a spot. I remember the first, the first moment I covered USC um, in the first scrimmage at uh, at the Coliseum, and he was dominant. And I'm talking to all the other beat guys, and I'm saying, you know, I said, "Wow, that that's a freshman that can play," and they're all like, "Nah, he's a freshman, he can't play." And they couldn't block the, enough to let the quarterback join the ball anyway, so I wouldn't even worry about him. I said, oh, "Okay, he can play. Forget it." You know, well, he proved he obviously could play. The problem, I think, one of the problems with Mike was he got, uh, uh, I guess, that UCLA game his sophomore year, and I think he caught ten passes in the first half. UCLA played him man-to-man with, you know, some five-eight guy. <laughs> and who was pretty good. I'm trying to think of his name right now. But it was so dominant. It was ridiculous. And I think at that moment, he thought, I'm really, really ready to go. That's, you know, he started thinking it's time for the NFL, and he didn't really want to – wasn't somebody who wanted to just stay in college, just be staying in college. So he started thinking this is, you know, where I'm going next. And uh, he was so dominant and, you know, so superior – athletically and he could, the thing about him was he was a you know, six five power forward who could create space and just by his, his he had the athleticism to create space He could throw in the ball because he could jump because he had those big strong hands and he was just superior you know so superior physically that there wasn't much of a way for college guys to defend him now what happened? And, and you know he he missed out on that year. I think the year missing out on that year. I think really he needed so badly to be allowed to play, and uh, and that really cost him. I I just think that was a uh, uh, a bump in the road that he never recovered from. I don't think he he. I don't know how you stay in shape necessarily uh, over a year. Um, th- I you know, I just don't know how a kid well you you're at a position where you need somebody to throw you the ball, you need your timing, you need all the things you've got to do every day. When you have that taken away from you, uh, man, that that's a difficult thing and it wasn't his fault, but uh um you know, uh I don't think he ever recovered. Now whether he should have gone to um um say the Canadian League and just kept playing, uh, so he didn't have a year off, but, but he wasn't ever the same guy after that year off.
0: I agree, and, uh, he just, I don't think he was able to dominate physically like he did in college at the NFL, and, uh, it's hard to really say, I mean, I think he, he made some comebacks and tried to, to get it worked out, but was never anything in the professional football like he was in, uh. In college football, no way, not even no,
1: close. he didn't have that advantage, that physical, you know, athletic advantage, because uh, you know they, at college probably they call pass interference a little more closely, and they can get their, you know, they can't quite get their hands on you and redirect you the same way, and they're just not athletic enough to do that in the NFL. You know, linebackers are are athletic enough to really, really redirect you, and uh, you know the the secondary guys are athletic enough to be able to really contend uh, and, and the marginal uh, advantages that he clearly had in college, he did not have in the NFL. And uh, that's where, you know, you just have to keep getting better. You have to keep, uh, you know, pushing yourself and, and absolutely, uh, you know, sometimes you have that year off, there's almost no way you can do that. and uh, And it was, Really, a, a kind of a, a tragedy for Mike that that he had had to take that year off, and it was probably bad bad judgment. You know, like the kids this year, to some extent, it was a bad hope that he was going to be able to uh, you know follow the Maurice Claret and you know take advantage and and, and go out after two years, and uh, that didn't happen.
0: Okay, let's go to Gregory and OC. He wants to know who on staff. Shepherds the new players through the NCAA clearinghouse process and are the new incoming players required to live in the dorms on campus for their first year?
1: Yes, on the second part. First part, I don't I don't think the play I mean, I don't know that it's something that they have to do with the players. It's something that uh you know that they just u S C has to monitor those kids in high school and make sure, you know, the courses all match up and, and what have you. And I guess, who who do you think that would be? Was that probably um, um, Scott
0: Thompson? I think it would probably be like he's like the player personnel director or there's a football ops guy. I mean, I I don't think it would be an actual full-time staff member that would be required to do that. One, someone in the administration side, but probably like a Scott Thompson or a Jeff Fucci yeah, or something. Yeah, I
1: think like that. That he's a, that, that's one of his duties as a player personnel guy. That'll be interesting to see because uh, – if there was a person who really oversaw that, I think it was Ed Orgeron, who was more the the guy who would be uh, the point man on uh, on walk-ons, for example, and you know uh, preferred walk-ons, and just the, the general those kinds of, uh, of details. I think if you know the ones that did fall to a, a staff member, so whether that's you know Peter Sermon or not, uh, in terms of taking over ed's role as um as uh you know recruiting coordinator uh i would think it's probably a combination of of all of those uh but uh you know, it's um those are details that that definitely have to get done i mean you've got to make sure you know, when you're looking at that high school transcript that it absolutely transfers that those courses are you know the kind of courses that uh that uh, are going to get credit because and, and, they're not going to let you do what, you know, in the old days, like a, a kid like Avantez Berfick who I remember spending a day with out in, in Corona, and he was talking about basically his first couple of years in high school were courses that weren't going to transfer, uh, and uh, they weren't, you know, college prep in any way, and that he was going to have to take all those BYU courses. That you were allowed to take online before, I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you know, you've got to be really sure that uh, that the courses that those kids are taking uh, are going to be accepted. and You can't mess around, uh, and, and and they're not nearly the ability to go back and uh, and make them up um, the way there was, you know, five years ago.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. Thanks for that question. Gregory, um, let's go to John. Can you give uh, the latest update on George Farmer? He was such a good athlete. Do you think he will get playing time, and with his size and speed, do you think he would be good at a kickoff returner?
1: Yeah, I think they'll give him a chance as a kickoff returner. I don't think there's any question. I think that's that's definitely one of the places they've got him pen- penciled in. He's probably going to play at about 215. He's going to... He's, um, probably a little bigger than that right now. Um, He was really uh, dealing uh, during spring uh, with his, uh, you know, scar tissue and what have you, and and just developing confidence. And by the end end of spring, and and really very much the last day or, you know, practice or two, he was saying, I'm really confident now. I finally, I'm confident. I can make that really hard plant. I can, you know, catch the ball in a crowd and, and, and get wiped out, or I can get taken out, you know, at the sideline, and I'm fine. But it took uh took all of spring, and uh I think they you know coaches were understanding of that and working with him on that, and knowing that he was working on it and um so I, mean, I think he's going it'll be interesting to see how they use him because uh, we didn't get to see him full burst in the spring, so I don't think we know exactly uh we saw him more as a slot guy and more catching the ball in a crowd actually uh, and, uh, working on his hands, uh, his hands have gotten better. Uh, because in high school, basically he just ran by people and they'd throw the ball out and he'd run under and catch it with his arms and nobody could catch him. Uh, and that's not happening now. Uh, whether that, you know, returns, I don't know if you've got him as your third guy and all of a sudden you've got him on a, you know, a go route that, that, that he's being covered by some linebacker, um, you know, then boom. Uh, but I think he's got a chance. I think he's definitely got a chance uh, to, um, you know, to, to, I mean, it's an amazing story when you think about <laughs> that group at Sarah High. He <laughs> yeah. had three, for example, University of Texas he had no one drafted. That, you know, Sarah High group, uh, you know, you had uh, uh, Marquise Lee and uh, Paul Richardson, you know, drafted this year, and Robert Woods, uh, had he stayed, would have been in the same group. Uh, and that's the thing that was driving people crazy, I think, are these kids that, you know, could take a you know, city bus to USC's campus and you had more, you know, receivers like that. And now you, you put George in the, in the, in the mix uh, than, you know, the state of Texas. Uh, and so, um, so it'll be interesting to see and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that he's got to live up to that and, and what Robert has done and what, you know, Marquise has done and all that, and how that, how that plays out for George. I don't know. I don't think because George was, you know, of all the guys, probably the guy, uh, you know, nationally in terms of just because of size and speed and his track uh, ability. And, um, I mean, it's pretty nice, at least if you're USC, to have that guy just waiting there to see, you know, what does he do? What can we do with him? And uh, and uh, you know, with the chance uh, for a couple of years of of somebody with that kind of potential.
0: And uh, yes, yeah, so you mentioned those guys. Uh, actually, Dan, just a side note: I ran into DeJon Harris uh, at the beach on Sunday, and he was like the <laughs> first Sarah guy to come out. Um, and it started this trend, obviously, a lot of Sarah kids right. coming to USC. But it was it was kind of cool to see him. He's a free agent now. He was with, I think, the Redskins and, and the Titans before. And he's got a tryout with the Jets this week. So we wish him luck. But the original Sarah, USC recruit, dejon yeah. Harris.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we hope those kids um, – USC's had a lot of kids that have made that five-year mark. And then, you know, if they had come back to school or if they got hurt or whatever – I mean, we we saw this last year, Thomas Williams and Darnell Bing are in that category, you know, where they they make their five years, and Chauncey Washington uh, made it five years, which, you know, gets you the pension, gets you the health care, and you know, I think lifetime and all that kind of thing, which really, really matters, and then you go about, you know, the rest of your life, but yes, he's been very fortunate that way for, you know, some of those guys who've, uh, you know, been able to, uh, you know, survive all of the... You know the the difficulties of uh, of the NFL, and uh, and get through that that five year mark, which is is really the magic uh, moment when you uh, when you make it. So we hope for uh, Dijon that he uh, he gets there as well.
0: All right, uh, let's go to Marcel and Diamond Bar. He said, I noticed that Michigan State and other schools have utilized the services of quarterback guru George Whitfield to improve their quarterbacks. Has USC ever reached out to him? And what do you think about such outside help?
1: Not that I know of, but I know they all have their coaches. I mean, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what who's co- Cody's coach is in Orange County. Uh, a guy, he, an Anaheim guy, and he drives out and, and, and sees him pretty much. And, and is Whittick that Steve was, Clarkson? Uh,
0: is he a Clarkson with guy? With Steve
1: Clarkson, yeah. So, uh, so they all they have their guys. Uh, I'm not sure about Max Brown. I'll have to ask him someday. Uh, who his guy? is. But yeah, they've never discouraged that at all. But I don't know that anybody has uh, has been a Whitfield guy. Uh, good question. Uh, maybe uh, we'll, we'll find out if, yeah. uh, if that works. If he's down there in uh, in San Diego, uh, out of Tiffin College, I think he said one day, oh. which is a little little school in Ohio. Uh, interesting. You mentioned Michigan State. I think they had one player drafted. Who knew? <laughs> Michigan State, one player.
0: Won the Rose Bowl, uh, yeah, one player.
1: One player. Uh so what does it mean, I, you know, I don't know what it means, but uh, uh I think uh, the big ten, I think Northwestern and Illinois were the two that had nobody drafted, but I think um uh, Michigan State had one, which is kind of amazing. I bet and I think Michigan had a bunch and if I'm not mistaken, I don't know. Michigan State's kind of dominated that series the last few years. Right. So I don't know what it means.
0: I think Clarkson is definitely one that has more USC ties. If I remember right, Max Wittek kind of came from Connecticut to California for Clarkson. And, I, and I, I think David Sills, too, was kind of like a Clarkson guy. But I, I, I'm i not Without 100% a sure. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think those are the, the, the kind of and ties. I'm
1: not there. sure uh, – Sanchez uh I think we, I think uh Liner might have been boom, boom, boom. I know there have been uh connections you know longer ago yeah uh you know with Clarkson and now he's so kind of big nationally in terms of you know camps around the country and things like that I'm not sure he's got you know the the focus on one or two guys but uh you we haven't definitely seen him with uh with Max. So Max is definitely one
0: of his guys. All right. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, this is from Greg. Can you please explain what the quote unquote silent cadence snaps from the center is and what the purpose for using that silent cadence? And do you think the team's going to use shotgun snap or will the quarterback move under center for short yardage and goal line plays this year?
1: All uh, right. It's a hand signal. Um, uh, at the line of scrimmage uh but in shotgun it's a hand signal with uh uh basically if you're in a place where you can't hear yourself think you know you have to be at least thinking maybe we, there would be a case where that that might happen i'm trying to think uh in this year's uh you know you're on the road at stanford but there's not a lot of noise there not a big 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 place uh uh, you know, the Rose Bowl, UCLA, you've got, um, you know, half and half. So I don't know uh, where exactly that might come into play. I mean, I know they did it uh, toward the end of spring ball just to to know they could do it, uh, although the results were exactly the kind <laughs> of thing that made you think they could do it. But, and they did it they came back and did it again and and I just wanted to get comfortable with being able to do it, but it's basically you know hand signal uh and uh you know they uh I don't think they're gonna get under center, especially if the center is max Turk, just because that's more problems than it's worth because of at six six and with his really long arms um, it it makes it problematic, i think uh on any time to take the snap under center. Uh, but if you're only doing it on uh, really crucial short yardage situations uh, and only occasionally during the game, that would make it even harder, I think. So I, I don't think you're going to see uh, – I'd be really surprised if they get up under center, well, especially if it's Max.
0: All right, uh, we got two more questions. This one's a, a film-watching question, Dan, so we can try to do our best with this, but I wanted to get your thoughts. He said – I get my football fixed by watching USC games from the past, uh, from the past season, either on YouTube or the Pac 12 Now app, which is, I think, with the Pac 12 network. There's a difference in the two. Watching YouTube, only the commercials are edited out, and on Pac 12 Now, everything is edited out in the the play in 60, so they do the whole game in 60 minutes. Uh, My question is is it better for coaches to watch film from the coach's view? Of all twenty four of all twenty two players with no sound or is it better to watch film with the sound so that the crowd noise and momentum can be taken into account that's from turned up trojan
1: well, I mean I think you got to be a uh, you know do it from a coach's perspective and then you probably don't need the sound and you know what you, but I think it's an acquired taste i mean you've got to, uh, just knowing from being a high school coach um, and when we did it you know with film um the it's not a lot of fun i mean it's not you know exciting or anything else it's much more of a you know a technical kind of a thing so so i would think for for most fans certainly and for me i'd probably rather you know watch it you know with a little bit of the game atmosphere there than you know to have all that removed but if you're grading kids or uh, you know, really want to you know have the cut-ups so you can show them in the team meetings. Uh, you, you you'd rather go with you know just the uh, you know just the coaches' version of, of those films. But but uh, I don't think a lot of people would would find the coaches' versions very entertaining. You know, they're they're much more technical, and uh, and you know not they're not meant to be entertaining. They're meant to be uh, you know kind of instructive and, and, and analytical. But. Uh, it wouldn't be something you'd probably enjoy just sitting
0: around watching. All right. And then one last one. It's a international question. Michael in Toronto. It's a little long, so let me uh, read it for you. Uh, he said he wanted to follow up with his question, uh, about T Martin's success with the wide receivers. Uh, I believe he wrote this in actually to coach Harvey Hyde, uh, in the last job. He said, yes, the man could definitely recruit and is a head coaching material. But when you look at the wide receivers, the only guy that impressed me with his catching ability, uh, he says constantly using the hands and not the body during the Kiffin era was Robert Woods. Yes, I know that Lee won the Bolitnikoff, and both he and Agu- but he both he and Aguilar did more juggling last year than I would have liked. When you look at the development of Farmer, Blackwell, Flournoy, well, there wasn't very there was very little there. And these are four and five star guys, and apparently or not were considered good enough to warrant more than a couple of plays a game. Uh, this was particularly surprising considering last year's spring reports at both Blackwell and Flournoy. We're carrying the load, and we're doing quite well. I would expect the wide receiver coach to, one, improve the wide receiver's catching ability, two, route running and blocking techniques, and just as importantly, three, the mental aspect of the position. If Steve Smith, USC, is available as a graduate assistant, let's get him. That's Michael in Toronto, and he says, P.S., if Sark loses to Notre Dame and UCLA this year and doesn't win at least 10 games, then Pat Hayden should resign or be seen as a hypocrite for 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 really canning coach orgeron, wow, so a lot there from Michael of Toronto, <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: Michael, you're tough man, <laughs> uh man, oh man, um I wonder if Michael's an Argonaut fan there um uh, uh I don't know you know I, I just think it's uh there was a lot of uh you know transition last year, i think uh, if, if Marquise comes back and he's not healthy and trying to get him uh, up to speed. They didn't have a lot of bodies. They haven't had a lot of bodies. Um, um, and so uh, I think this year will be a good good guide as to uh, the, the way a T. Martin coaches them. Last year, obviously, uh, as you say, some of these guys only got, you know, a couple of tosses a game or didn't get that many plays. And, you know, they, they, they were kind of top-heavy. I'm not sure that, you know, in terms of how – he would have liked to have seen it done, but they, you know, kind of got their horse and, and rode him, uh, with was Marquis the year before. And then, when he wasn't able to, you know, play in a lot of the games, then you get uh, you get Nelson. I thought, uh, you know, you can say, oh, he juggled some balls and what have you. But if you look at Nelson's effort and Nelson's, to say that Nelson didn't develop last year, I think that would not be. Uh, a, a true picture of how last year went. I thought Nelson developed, you know, tremendously well, uh, and you know, in a year when you weren't necessarily expecting him to to be able to you know to have to carry the load, uh, it was a year where uh, two guys that you really were counting on, George Farmer and Stephen Mitchell, weren't you know a part of the uh, uh, weren't a part of the mix. I think they probably would have liked to have had one more year to you know to bring Darius Rodgers on. So I thought Darius Rogers developed um, had a you know a positive development, even though I know the coaches really are you know think he's got a lot of ability and they want him to uh, develop you know significantly more in terms of um, you know not taking a play off or not you know showing his ability to um, to do what he can do on every play and and follow kind of Nelson Aguilar's uh, example, but I think Nelson developed. Uh, I think they've done a pretty good job this spring in in terms of as we said with George farmer uh, I think if uh, Stephen Mitchell comes back, I think you're going to see you know some development there. I think Blackwell has been a case of uh some days wow, and some days you know where you know where you're looking for where he is, and um, he's a challenge i think in in terms of so far, and sometimes guys just aren't ready yet you know they're just not you know the maturity is not is not there but uh i i don't know that since i've been there i've seen a wide receiver coach work on more catching techniques uh working on the jugs gun uh, up close and all of the, the little hand things that uh, uh that he has done with uh, you know with uh not just footballs but uh you know baseballs and soft, you know, balls and all the kind of things that I think they've done a lot of things to to really work on it. I like, you know, his uh, instincts about, uh, you know, getting to these kids. Uh One of the things he probably doesn't get credit for is they've done a great job with uh, walk-on wide receivers. And, again, that ought to go uh, to, uh, you know, credit of T. Martin. Uh, you know, there were a lot of times last year when uh, – and a lot of practices and uh, you know weeks and game preparation where those uh, you know those walk-ons were really uh, really important. So, so I I wouldn't be anywhere nearly as uh, as critical. I don't think as you are. I mean I think you know Marquise was Marquise in terms of of getting him to uh, you know develop on particular catching techniques and all that. Um, that that didn't happen uh, a whole lot, and it probably. You know, hurt Marquise, and was there the ability to do that last year with his injuries <clears throat> and with his, you know, looking to to move on? Uh, I don't know, uh, but I, I I think that you might have been a little overly overly critical at this point. Uh, we'll you know we'll see how it goes this year.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Michael, in Toronto, and thanks for all the questions. We had a ton of them uh, this week: draft stuff, team stuff. So, and thanks, Dan, to you for uh, doing it. Uh, solo with me, so uh, usually just split it. up. Yeah, good stuff.
1: Good questions. Good guy. These are good questions. These are the questions that have to be answered. Uh, we don't know. All right. I mean, basically, we can't answer them. The team. This is. You know, these are questions that you know Sark and the team have to answer, and uh, and and we'll get a chance to, and uh, we'll see how see how it all works out. But uh, these are, you know, these are the good questions, the right questions, and uh, the ones that do need to be answered.
0: All right. Well, Dan, thank you for, again for coming on the show. Everyone else, thank you for writing in and uh, sending us your questions. It's always cool to hear from you, and especially in the middle of May when there's not that much going on. I guess the draft was going on, but we, to get a lot of questions is good stuff. I know there's always a lot of interest, so thank, we thank you all for that. Thanks very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. Oh, one note, next week, we are likely going to do the show on Tuesday. I'm going to be out of town and driving back. On Monday, so I won't be able to record the show then. So we'll probably do it a day later on Tuesday. So just a note for that. And uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you then.